and an Indigenous woman is killed every six days um, in Canada. And so it's, um, it is also, I feel, an emergency in our country um, mm -hmm. that we aren't giving enough um, time and attention to and not treating it as an emergency that it is. So um, I just like trying to encourage as many people that are ready and for, to have these conversations to just join us and just start learning and um, see where they fit into that, um, where they are on their healing journeys, what they can do to help support this work. Hi, everyone, and thanks for listening to episode 16 of the Learn With Lyle's podcast. In this episode, I spoke with Raven Lestert, a carrier First Nation woman who is the co-founder of the Moose High Campaign, a movement that is fighting to end violence toward women and children, with a special focus on Indigenous women and children. There are thousands of missing and murdered Indigenous women in Canada, and Indigenous women are three times more likely to experience violence than non-Indigenous women. In our conversation, Raven talked a bit about the cause of this huge issue and also about the amazing, inclusive, and loving work that the Moose Hide campaign is doing to raise awareness and to end this violence. Raven also talked about the practice of fasting and a bit about Indigenous culture and values. Indigenous people have been treated really poorly in our country, and I think it's super important that we all learn about the true history of Canada, that we strive to be part of reconciliation, and that we learn from Indigenous people because their practices and values are just the best, in my opinion. So yeah, keep on educating yourself, and if you want to learn more about the Moose Hide Campaign and what you can do to help, go to moosehidecampaign.ca. Thank you so much for being on my podcast. Um, so yeah, do you mind just introducing yourself a little bit? Hmm. Yeah, so um, my name is Raven Lassert, Um, and I am the co-founder and national ambassador for the Moose Hide Campaign, um, which is standing up against violence towards women and children with a special focus on Indigenous women and children. Right. Um, yeah, so can you tell me um, a little bit about what the Moose Hide Campaign is? Mm -hmm. um, I also am carrier, First Nation, um, from up around Prince George area. Uh, it's about two hours west of Prince George. Um, the band that I belong to is called Lake Babine Nation, mm -hmm. um, and I'm part of the Bear Clan. Mm -hmm. um, and I'm here in Victoria on uh, Lekwungen-speaking people's territories. Uh, the song he's in Esquimalt Nations, um, and that's where I live um, and work and play. Mm -hmm. um, so I can tell you a little bit about the Musai campaign and how it got started. Um, so my dad and I had this idea in 2011 um, when we were out hunting in our traditional carrier territory. Um, we were hunting for moose. Um, and we go there every every year to do that work and um, reconnect with our land and our community and um, just spend some time up there. Um, and so in 2011, there was like a few different things that happened that made it so that we um, got the idea in the first place to start the campaign. So my dad went to a conference about ending violence towards women and children. Um, right around this time of the Stanley Cup riots in Vancouver. Mm -hmm. um, and 
there was an ending violence conference um, towards women and children and there were 285 people there and only four of them were men mm-hmm. and so he was looking around he was one of the four men and just looking around and being like where the heck are all of the men so um didn't sit well with him he came home and talked about it with our family a lot um and then we're also a fasting family so my dad will do four days and four nights without food or water um and he'll just kind of it's like a big ceremony he'll go sit in the bush for four days and nights without food or water or nothing um and really just think about his own um like intentions and what like he's praying for all sorts of different things, but he's giving a little bit of his own suffering um, and uncomfortableness and offering that up as his um, prayers for whatever he's um, praying for. And so um, our family goes and supports him in that work and we eat food for him and we pray for him and we help lift him up. And so um, we often like we'll eat berries and then sing a song Um, And he's just far enough that he can still hear us when we sing. And so that food energy and love and everything just gets transferred over to him with that intention of like feeding him with our love and our song and the food that we're eating. So um, we were also doing that at that summer. And then we went up hunting and it's our carrier territory is right along the highway of tears. Um, where dozens of women um, have gone missing or been murdered from along that stretch of highway. It goes from Prince George up to Prince Rupert, Mm -hmm. um, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous, but predominantly Indigenous women. Um, And so it's affected our family. Um, We've lost a few of our family members um, from along that highway. Um, And um, just really thinking about the conference that my dad was at and then our our fasting experiences and then just seeing all of the cycles of violence that happen um, in our Indigenous communities and in across Canada as a whole, and just how um, people think and feel about Indigenous and non-Indigenous women and children and trying to create space for men to join us in that space. And so we were hunting. We got a moose that morning, um, and I was cleaning it out. And then my dad and I were talking about it. It was right around the same time that Jack Layton passed away, who is the founder of the White Ribbon Campaign. Mm -hmm. Um, And yeah, so then we just kind of had an idea. We were like, hey, what if we use this piece or like this moose hide that we got from this beautiful moose, this beautiful animal that gave its life to us. We just had this like moment of inspiration. Um, We thought if we tanned it up, cut it up into a bunch of little one inch squares um, and ask people to wear that as their commitment to being violence free, um, that maybe that's something that they would be interested in doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And so we did, my sisters and I went home and cut up the first 25,000 squares of moose hide um, and like hand wrote all these little information cards about what we were trying to do. Mm -hmm. And then um, since then now it's just kind of like, grown and evolved and lots of people have been joining the campaign and making those commitments and those everyday reminders to wear that pin Mm -hmm. um and so now we've just handed out uh just over two million squares now that's amazing yeah cool i love that story about your dad fasting that's that's so interesting that's so cool 
Yeah, it's really crazy. And so like we have, uh, we've introduced like a one day fast into the campaign mm -hmm. where it's just from sun up until sundown where people don't eat or drink. And that's kind of their commitment and their um, giving up a little bit of their suffering because it's a lot to not eat for or drink anything for one day, especially if you're doing it intentionally. Um, and so we're hoping um, to have one million Canadians fasting together on the same day to end violence towards women and children. Uh -huh. And so we're hoping that that kind of creates a culture shift and raises like awareness and people's commitments and like commitment to learning, commitment to just like their own healing journeys and everything. So it's kind of where we got all of these ideas and all kind of came together beautifully, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's really cool. Four days. That's really tough that your dad did that. Yeah. And he's done it, I think like well, a lot. I don't know exactly the number of how many times he's done it now, but the point of it is to like bring yourself as close to death as you possibly can oh, wow. um and when you get because I think you you can't go much longer than four days uh without food or water so um you're like the point of it is to just bring yourself as close to that spirit world as possible and then that veil between us and the spirit world thins a lot and so often people will um get like spirit visits or um different um like spirits coming over, you can see the spirits or um, different moments of like meaning for you. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Yeah. Did your yeah. dad say that he experienced that when um, he was doing his fast? For sure. Yep. Mm -hmm. Tons. Yeah. Yeah. That's really cool. Mm -hmm. um, what was the response when you started the Moose Hide campaign, when you and your sister kind of um, started handing them out for the first time? What were people saying and how were they reacting? Yeah, it was really interesting. It was like, I was 16 um, when we first got this idea and just started doing it. Um, and so it was like always a learning journey for me as a young person. Mm -hmm. um, and so people's responses were always very positive and open and welcoming. And we noticed that lots of people um, felt like they were looking for something like this. Um, something that they feel like they can belong to, like some sort of sense of community. It's like all the values that people, lots of people have already been holding on to. And so to have something tangible that they can have as a visible thing that they wear, um, people were really uh, open and receptive to it and um, yeah, helped us to be able to grow it further. And so then they would wear their pin and then uh, people like the point of it is to ask them to wear it every day visibly so that other people can see it and um talk about it with their friends or family or um strangers on the street like mm -hmm. I mean pre-COVID I would get asked about my pins um every day people mm -hmm. see it and they they see it's like a thing that you're wearing like intentionally to be asked about it um and so it opens up those conversations to have with like total strangers on the street and just say like oh this is my commitment to being violence free um and i'm part of this like movement of people that are standing up against violence so mm -hmm. it's, yeah lots of people were like uh ready for something like this mm -hmm. that's good that's so smart yeah <laughs> um so what kind of like gave you the audacity to start this movement when you were 
you know, just 16 years old and to take action um, on this huge issue? Mm -hmm. Um, I think it was a lot of like my upbringing. Um, My dad worked for the Friendship Center movement um, for my whole life. And so he's always um, like talking about being in service to our people and trying to make the world a better place when we leave it than when we got here. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's always, I've always grown up in that and just like always wanting to do what I can to help people. Um, And so it was just something that just seemed like a natural fit and um, trying to create space for men and boys to join in on these conversations. And um, there hasn't been a ton of men and boys in this space leading up to it. And there's been lots of women um, serving organizations that have been doing this work alone for a really long time. Um, And so we just thought that it was like time to create space um, where men and boys can join and, um, start creating these generational shifts and, um, just having conversations as people and love centered. Um, and so it just seemed like a natural fit for me in my life and something that I've been really passionate about. Um, and so you just kind of speak from the heart, share your, thoughts and feelings about it share your own experiences we share a lot of our own like we call it in intimacy but we say into me see and so my dad and I have been traveling around the country sharing our message and just being as open and honest with people as possible and so I think that that's one of the things that people are drawn to and um need more of is just that like personal human emotional connection with each other Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I really appreciate that you um, make sure to like, especially include men and boys, because obviously they need to be a part of the conversation. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, it's really important. And just like learning what it is to be a healthy warrior man, um, and what those healthy, uh, unhealthy masculinities are. Um, and just like, all of that. Mm-hmm. <laughs> all of that. Yeah. Yeah, because there's so much that's like just ingrained in us that we don't really realize. So it's good to talk about it and be aware. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, So Indigenous culture is obviously really closely tied with the Moose Hide campaign. Um, So why is that connection so important to your team? Mm -hmm. Yeah, um, I mean, we my dad and I feel like we were gifted with this medicine. Um, that we have to care for Um, and it came from our culture and our land and we just like believe that the land has so much to give and like hold for us and so um, we feel like this deep sense of responsibility to care for this medicine in the best way possible and so um, making sure that we're bringing in that culture and ceremony into all of our work is really important to us and so um, introducing a fast is like um, something that all Canadians can be part of Mm -hmm. Um, and so we call it an Indigenous innovation for all Canadians Um, And so it's an Indigenous-led organization, um, and we create opportunities on top of, like, the fasting and the gathering and talking about any violence towards women and children. It's also kind of like this 
space where Indigenous and non-Indigenous people can come together and have these conversations and be participating in ceremonies together. Um, and so it's kind of like this reconciliation kind of space um, where we're all coming together with this collective effort of um, reducing the violence that happens towards women and children in this country, both Indigenous and non-Indigenous women and children. So um, trying to make it as like welcoming as possible for people. It gives pe lots of um, non-Indigenous people either don't know a single Indigenous person in their life or don't know about the culture, history, or um, yeah, don't know how to get engaged with Indigenous people and stuff. So we're trying to create that space for people to be able to come together and have those conversations and learn and grow and come up with solutions together. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's great. I love that. Um, yeah, I feel like so much more awareness is needed for people who are not Indigenous to yeah understand like the the truth and history of of Canada and what mm -hmm. really uh, went on. Totally. Yep. Yeah, we think so too. So trying, just trying to do our best to be able to create that space to have those conversations. Mm -hmm. I think yeah, that's all we really can do. Yeah. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. So I know that, um, and you mentioned this before, and it's on your website too, that um, Indigenous women are three times more likely to experience violence um, than non-Indigenous women. Um, mm -hmm. And I have been like trying to do some reading and, and get some understanding about that. But for our listeners, do you mind um, kind of unpacking why that is a little bit? Mm -hmm. I think um, it's a very long, hard question to answer. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> very complex, but also very... Um, can be um, pretty straightforward at the same time. Mm -hmm. I think um, for Indigenous women, they're six times more likely um, oh, wow. than to be um, killed or experience violence in their lives, um, other than not uh, like as opposed to non-Indigenous women. So, it's um, the likelihood of Indigenous women experiencing violence is very high, and I think a lot of it came from just like the values that the non-Indigenous people brought when they came over. So for example, in my community, um, we are a matriarchal system, we live in a matriarchal system. So um, we get like our clan membership. So I'm bear clan um, and I get that from my mom um, and she gets that from her mom and my daughter got it from me. And so we're all um, bear clan, but so um, like, in today's society, we get our last names generally from the men in the family, from the father. Mm -hmm. um, and so just like little examples like that of just like the patriarchal society that we're living in now versus like the different values and uh, ways of being pre-contact. Mm -hmm. um, and so um societies have been taught to think and feel a certain way about indigenous people and um a lot happened in the residential school system um that helped people accelerate their um, anger and lack of connection to their language and culture and ceremony and family and um all of what made us indigenous people. Um, and so I think that they, in the residential schools, they separated the men and the women. And so automatically it just became um, very 
um, like people were put into boxes and before it was just kind of community and people helped each other and we all had our roles and none of it was a hierarchical. It was just, we all did our parts. Um, and so now, yeah, I don't know. I don't, I mean, it's a hard question to answer. And yeah, I just think huge. that like the lives of indigenous women aren't valued as much as other lives. Um, and so it makes it easier um, to do violence or to maybe treat them differently. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it is a huge and terrible thing that we all as a society, like all of us need to band together to try to fix. For sure. Yeah. And I mean, like, um, it, the violence and the way that women are treated just is like a totally different thing all on its own. And I mean, with the within indigenous communities, there is a lot of violence that's happening and it's a lot of the pain and hurt that happened from residential schools. Mm -hmm. um, and so like, it's kind of two different things because there are indigenous communities that are experiencing this and non-indigenous communities. And then a little bit of like the intertwining of the two. And so um, trying to understand both where violence is coming from, where these thoughts and feelings are coming from, and then trying to unpack that and trying to help people understand um, that Indigenous women are just so beautiful and um, don't, don't deserve um, that. So... Mm -hmm and all women, all women and children. Um, but with all of the high, super high stats um, and likelihood of indigenous women experiencing violence is just insane. There's over um, 1,200 murdered or missing indigenous women in Canada. And the Native Women's Association of Canada thinks that number is uh, more than 4,000. Oh, wow. And an indigenous woman is killed every six days um, in Canada. And so it's, um, it is also, I feel, an emergency in our country mm -hmm. um, that we aren't giving enough um, time and attention to and not treating it as an emergency that it is. So um, I just like trying to encourage as many people that are ready and to have these conversations to just join us and just start learning and um, see where they fit into that, um, where they are on their healing journeys what they can do to help support this work. Um, yeah. Mm -hmm. And trying to just be as respectful about it as humanly possible. I get that everyone, no one is perfect. Everyone makes mistakes and just trying to create space where there's no blame and shame about like what you've experienced or what you have maybe done in your life or what your parents have gone through or anything. It's just like, we're just trying to create space to be able to come together and have these open, honest conversations without blame or shame. And just like understanding that we're trying to move um, to a happy, healthier, more loving future. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Cause I feel like a lot of people can be kind of intimidated um, to, to get involved in the conversation because they worry like, Oh, like what have I done that I haven't really realized. So they're kind of mm -hmm. scared to, to be called out, but yeah, I appreciate that that kind of attitude of just welcoming everybody in. Totally. I think it's important that we just create a space um, just to be able to, like, say, I don't know what I don't know, or I 
yeah, wherever people are at, we're just trying to meet them where they're at and welcome them in with loving arms. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I feel like I'm on just like this huge love revolution <laughs> and I'm just like trying to give as much and create as much space for that as possible. So mm-hmm. that's good. That's what our world needs right now. So, yeah. okay. So you kind of talked about this a little bit already, but, um, why moose hide? Like, why is that the symbol of this campaign? It's a good question. Um, lots of people ask it and wonder why. So we have moose hide squares and we also have like synthetic moose hide pins mm-hmm. um, because there are lots of people out there that don't feel comfortable wearing a piece of animal hide on their clothing like that. Um, so we've created like a, uh, synthetic moose hide pin that people can wear and it looks the same um but it's not animal hide so um we picked uh, moose hide pins because um it came from the land it's part of like the inspiration of the moose hide campaign um we feel like that moose gave its life to us um for that purpose um and it was just like the culmination of all these stories that brought us to that one point and thinking about the land and how healing it can be um and then we thought of it as like a way that men could wear the pin and it be the representation of like a healthy warrior man Mm -hmm. um or people that wear it so in the beginning the campaign was intended on like to welcome men and boys into that space and right away um, women and children and everyone along the gender continuum all wanted to wear the pin as well. And it's all just about raising awareness. And so um, we immediately just welcomed everyone into that space. Everyone can wear the pin, everyone can fast, everyone can participate in the Musai campaign. And um, yeah, so we have the moose hide as that like kind of symbol and representation of um, that good medicine from the land. Um, and we get the hides. Another big question that we do get is um, about where we're getting our hides. So our family did the first um, hide and we tanned it up and cut it into the squares. And um, it's not, we, now that we've handed out more than 2 million, it's never been a very um, sustainable practice for my sisters and I to do at our kitchen table. Um, yeah. And so we've uh, hired indigenous women to cut and produce the pins for us. Um, And we get our hides from a tannery in Ontario um, and they get their hides from roadkill. Um, People will pick up the hides and donate it or they'll go out and get it. Um, And and also the train tracks, Um, 1,000 moose die along the train tracks every year. Yeah. So it's just like a random interesting fact. So they salt the train tracks um, for the winters um, and moose really love salt. Um, And so they go and lick the salt um, and then get hit by trains um, very often. (laughs) So um, they will go and get the moose from there as well. Um, or hunters that have already just been out hunting and otherwise would leave the hides in the bush. Mm-hmm. Um, they they donate it to um, that tannery. And so that's where we're getting our moose hide pins. Mm-hmm. Cool. Our moose hides, yeah. Yeah, that's smart. 
Mm-hmm. Yeah, if people are often concerned that we are going out and hunting moose for the purposes of gathering the hides for our campaign. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's just not not what we're doing. So it's good and like a good way to help people understand that um, we're sourcing them um, from donated hides. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's so smart because I feel like what like what would those those moose who were killed by the trains like what would have happened to them like? Just, mm-hmm. so, yeah, that's yeah. So yeah. Mm-hmm, cool. Yeah, and I like how like the ways that um, people can get involved. Like it's if you don't have money or whatever, like you can still do something. So- totally. We have made a forever promise to never sell our moose hide pins. Mm-hmm. We want it to be as open and accessible to people as possible. So we cover all shipping costs and um, the cost of the pins. Mm-hmm. So um, you can order them on our website at moosehidecampaign.ca and um, we deliver them right away. We have a lot in stock right now as our numbers went down a little bit during this COVID time. And so we've got a lot of pins to um, offer out. And so we've just been trying to create different places to wear the pins. And so we're asking people to wear them on their Zoom calls or their video, any video calling that they're doing. And so just like making sure that we're having these important conversations still is just like really important. So mm-hmm. yeah. Cool. Oh, I want to order some. You should. We and we have lots. So like we're either like supporting people to order like five if they're like have a small bubble right now, or like some people order five thousand. Mm-hmm. Um and wow. so it's as many as you think you can use. Cool. Oh my gosh, I'm going to order some after this conversation. <laughs> cool. Yay. Cool. Um, awesome. Yeah. Okay, awesome. So what is next for the Moose High campaign? Like, what is your team planning right now? Mm-hmm. Um, lots. We've always got lots on the go. Um, and we are planning our next. So we're working on transitioning our work to lots of online stuff and so we're doing lots of um like live streams um, my dad and I and we're going to be inviting in different um experts into this space to have these conversations and help people learn and understand a little bit better through our, this whole new online world and then we are getting ready for our event in February that we will be hosting online. So um, every February we have like a provincial, like a BC provincial gathering. Um, And normally we bring people together in physical space and um, have speakers and um, everyone is fasting together on that day. So we have lots of ceremonies going on and different healing supports. Um, And then we have a march um, over from like, it's like maybe one block from where we're at over to the BC legislature um, and stand on the steps or the lawn of the legislature and just stand and be seen taking a stand against violence towards women and children. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we come back into workshops. So lots of chances for um, like different kinds of workshops, either you're learning about like relationships or you're learning about different ceremonies or like all sorts it's like a whole wide um variety of different workshops that we offer um and then at the end of the day we break the fast with a feast Mm -hmm. um and so we have like this big water and berry ceremony so everyone all the fasters join together um and all 
end their fast together with a cup of water and a cup of blueberries. Um, and we talk about like water um, being life. We all came from our mother's wombs that was full of water. Um, we talk about ourselves being mostly water um, and just how important water is. Um, and often we forget about that. And so we do that as well. We have that whole um, ceremony together and then we end with a feast. And so we do that in BC in February and then a national one, um, usually in October in Ottawa. Um, and so with the goal of trying to get out um, 10 million moosehide pins sent out across the country and 1 million Canadians fasting together to end violence towards women and children. Mm-hmm. Um, and so um, that's kind of like we we have those that we work towards a lot of the years. Um, and this year we'll be hosting the national event in February um, online. And so um, a lot of our work is working towards that and helping to make sure that we're getting as many um, people as possible. We're working with um, schools. So we developed a K-12 um, education platform that's open sourced on our website as well. Um, that's open for teachers or parents or anyone that wants to learn a little bit more and it's age specific. So starts off with like language and how we like can use our language in a good way and then like healthy relationships and jealousy and different things and helping people like students understand from K to 12 um, their place in this and how we can start and breaking those cycles earlier and earlier. And so um, that's all available online. And then just working with um, universities and First Nations and um, governments and um, just like anyone that's willing to join us in this space um, in a meaningful way. We've just started creating partnerships with anyone that wants to join. Um, And so we're offering like all sorts of different, we're building curriculum. um, Sorry, we're building an online training. Um, It's a three hour online training that we will are in the middle of developing right now. And so that will be available and help people understand about disclosures so that's one of the things that people often get are fearful of is if they're talking about this then what do they do if someone discloses um something that's either happened to them or is currently happening to them Mm -hmm. um and so we're developing that um online or that training about that right now of just like how like how to make a reference um or a referral to whatever it could be so um we're developing that as well. So we've been busy um, on all sorts of different fronts and just trying to get into as many spaces as we can to have these conversations. Mm -hmm. Cool. That's great. Lots of different ways that people can get involved. For sure. And there's lots on our website of like, Mm -hmm. if you want to host your own gathering, like your own Moosehide gathering with us. Um, So we have over 1500 communities that have, um, started their own Moosehide campaigns across the country and it looks different in every community and they know their community best and what their community needs and so um, we give the pins and just say like do what you need to do with it and whatever your community sees best for it and so um, some people will host like bake sales and then give that money um, to the transition their local transition house or 
um, they'll host their own fasting ceremony at the same time that we do and then bring their own family together and have a feast at the end of the day. And just like little, like different things like that. We have like a huge variety of what people can do. Mm -hmm. Um, and so we have lots of resources on our website about how people can get involved if they want to do more than, um, wear the pin. Cool. Yeah. I love that. I'll make sure whenever I post this to link to the website so people can see all the ways that they can help. Well, thank you. Okay. Um, yeah. So I only have two more questions, but is there anything um, before I ask those, anything that you wanted to add or talk about at all? I don't think so. Sorry, my que- my answers have been kind of long winded. No, um, that's okay. They're great. <laughs> yeah, no, I'm good then. Okay, good. Um, okay. So yeah, my podcast is called Learn With Lel. So basically like I'm trying to get people to kind of uh, hear different stories and backgrounds so that we can all kind of just like learn from each other. Um, so yeah, the last two questions I have are regarding learning. Um, so the first one is what is something that you've been learning lately? Learning lately? Mm-hmm. Mm. <laughs> I don't know. Like what? Um, can be anything. It can be like moose hide campaign related or just like life related. Mm -hmm. I mean, I'm in like a whole new transition time right now, Um, like with my daughter. So for me, like my whole life is my daughter now. Um, Cedar, Cedar Bear is her name. And she's just like the most precious thing to me in this whole world. Um, And I'll do anything for her. And a lot of my work now has been... um, for her. Um, so when my dad, um, for my dad, when he started the campaign for him, it was to protect my sisters and I tend to do everything he can to make sure that nothing bad happens to us. And I got it. And for me, it was like maybe a little bit of a different reason as a visibly indigenous person wanting to do this work to help, like just two totally different reasons for why we did this work together. And so, um, I've been on a learning journey since then of like 16 till now I'm 25 um, of just like what this work means for me. And now that I have my daughter, um, it's like my eyes are opened a little bit more of what my dad was feeling in those moments and wanting to do that work to protect his kids. And now that I have my daughter, I just want to do everything I can to make sure that she just lives a life full of love and happiness and opportunity and where she doesn't have to live in fear. And so um, my whole new learning journey right now is being a mother. Um, And it's a really interesting journey as an Indigenous person. And um, yeah, I love it. I love my kid and love being a mom and learning how to do it from a young age. Um, Yeah. Learning how to like try to decolonize the parenting styles and just like, yeah, just figuring it out as we go. And Cedar has the most amazing dad. Um, His name is Dominic. And um, yeah just learning how to be our little family and do this work together. Um, they, they travel with me. 
um, when we were traveling. So we do this work together um, as a young Indigenous family um, and just trying to um, hi like highlight that and just like what it could look like to be a healthy um, Indigenous family doing this work together. So something I've been working on and learning lately. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's a big thing for sure. <laughs> life, definitely. <laughs> yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm sure like having a daughter would just like totally change the work that you're doing, like your outlook on, on how it all is. So. Totally. Yep. Just adding to it, just adding to my already passionate and like deep need to help protect women and children in this country and create space for people to talk about it. Yeah, for sure. Cool. Okay. And then the last question is, this one is kind of a big one. Um, what is the biggest lesson you've learned in life so far? <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> oh my goodness. I don't know. I'm sure you get lots of really cool responses to this one. I feel like people like always pause for such a long time and are like, oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I feel like I would be like, I'm not sure. Yeah. I don't know what I would answer that with. I am not sure. <laughs> or it could be, doesn't have to be like the biggest, but maybe just like something that stands out to you. Mm hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think my my whole life is the Musai campaign. Um, I like eat and sleep and live it since I we started it. And so just like I think how much um, like capacity that we have as humans to love and heal and like join together for a collective thing is just something that I've always been learning about and um, learning about violence and learning about like all the different forms of violence and different degrees of violence all of it just like and where it stems from and how we can like change that it's just been like a huge learning journey for me from forever um understanding it on a, like a deep level for me as a visibly indigenous person um and just like experiencing all of the different forms of violence that have come my way um and that I've witnessed and from people in my life and just being able to like learn about it and learn how we can change that has just been like probably the biggest part of my life is just like being on a constant learning journey of how we can be doing this work um and helping people mm -hmm. yeah love it <laughs> Okay, awesome. Well, thank you so much for talking with me today. I really enjoy this conversation. Yeah, thank you so much for asking me. I feel really excited and honored. Mm -hmm.